Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. And let's see what he has to say to us. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, I'll read it first in the New International Version. And then uh, I love reading the message, uh, although I don't prepare sermons from the message, it's more from the International Version and the original, obviously, but um, uh, it sounds good as well. Matthew 5, 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Message says it, oh no, sorry, your message says it this way. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. I wonder if you feel stressed or worried. In that next slide, there are a few pictures of people that look stressed and worried. And it often feels like you're in this vice grip that's squeezing you in. Or you feel like uh, you're in a knot And it's so difficult to get out of it. And will you ever get out of it? And uh, you're you're so worried. It feels like that you did go through a car wash on a bicycle or you are still in that car wash. And will somebody turn the jolly machine off, please? Because it's raw. It's hurting now. I wonder if you're sitting here and you feel like that this morning. There's a, a list of indicators. Uh, it's a bit of a funny whether you've had a bad day or not. You know it's going to be a bad day when firstly, you jump out of bed in the morning and you miss the floor. You know it's going to be a bad day when your boss tells you not even to take your jacket off. You know it's going to be a bad day when both contact lenses are in the same eye. You know that it's going to be a bad day when you see 60 Minutes' news team waiting in your office. And I feel, Lord, that I'm being persecuted this morning because no one's laughing at my jokes. No. No. You feel it's going to be a bad day when your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. Although these indicators are funny, 
We've all experienced bad days and bad times that are actually not so funny. That we feel that we've been pushed through uh, or squeezed in on both sides. And, and this encounter of what we're going through is a very real one, and it's the truth, and we wish it away, but it doesn't want to go away. It's a real experience, and we feel as if we are being persecuted, and the, the, the trial and the temptation is being turned up. The heat is being turned on, and it's extremely uncomfortable what we're going through. And God, could you take it away? Not only do we feel harassed, but we are being harassed. How does that make sense? How right is that, God? Let me encourage you this morning that you're certainly not the first person uh, and you're certainly not the last person. If we compare to what Jesus went through, leaving his place of glory, coming to earth, doing good, being crucified, all for you and for me, then it puts things into a little bit of perspective. Let me tell you about real persecution. In that next slide, open doors, figures uh, have shown that 360 million Christians last year lived in countries where persecution was significant. Roughly 5,600 Christians were murdered. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned. Now, this is not because they just kind of uh, exist. It's because they are Christians. They're followers of Jesus. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned, and another 4,000 plus were kidnapped. In addition, more than 5,000 churches and other religious facilities were destroyed. According to Open Doors, another 39 countries are guilty of very high persecution. Now, folks, there, there are countries that are going out of their way to punish Christians. We meet here this morning, uh, in, in, uh, we're free. No one will walk in here and, and say, uh, Christians, uh, put up your hands and we're going to, uh, you know, martyr you because of who you are and what you believe. No, there's no uh, temptation of that at all. And so when Jesus speaks these words in, in Matthew chapter 5, then we begin to see it's, it's serious. Because how do we respond under pressure? We know that it's going to happen, but how do we respond under pressure? In fact, Jesus says that it happened in the Old Testament with the prophets, and so it's going to happen in the New Testament as well, which we read about, that did happen. But it will happen in our lifetime as well, while we're alive. But how, not only do we uh, experience it, but how do we rise above it? It's inevitable that we will be facing persecution until we die, of old age or whatever. And so th there is something more that Jesus is trying to tell us. Out of all these beautiful Beatitudes, now he needs to tell us, listen, if you are really faced in a difficult situation, you can rise above it. Even in July 2023, how can I rise above that difficult situation? Is there something more? And Jesus says, uh, would want to say yes. 
Yes, there is something more. And, and there is this rock-solid confidence that, that we can gain that will help us to overcome this difficult situation. So let's take a look at that. I've got two points this morning. The first one is that there is a certainty of mistreatment. There is a certainty of mistreatment. And we will be harassed in our lifetimes. In fact, you might be sitting here this morning and you feel harassed. It's unfair, Lord. Why does that person want to do that to me? Or why do those people want to do that to me? I feel mistreated. I feel harassed. And Jesus says that, that there is a certainty of persecution. And that word persecution in the Greek, theokio, um, means to, to drive away, to harass, to cause trouble, to mistreat. Jesus says, you're blessed when you are being mistreated. Now, I want to be very certain here and, and uh, say that there are certain things that Jesus is not saying. There are certain things that Jesus is not saying, but, but he's saying that, that for my sake you will be mistreated because that's what Christianity is all about. Because our, uh, the position of the world is one of rebellion against Christ. Our human nature is one of rebellion against Christ. Our disposition is one that is in favor of who Jesus Christ is. So by nature, we are rebellious. We're born that way. But when we, uh, we're born ex-Christ, outside of Christ. But now that we're in Christ and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is this position or disposition that says, I want to uh, favor the things of God. And as we do that, we will be mistreated, troubled, harassed, and will be driven away. So what does Jesus say? But firstly, what does he not say? He says, firstly, you know, he says that, that we, we're not blessed because we are obnoxious human beings. And that word obnoxious means um, horrible. If you're a horrible human being and you're being uh, persecuted, that's your own fault. That's your own fault. So he's not saying you'll be persecuted because you're a horrible human person. No, that's your own fault. Jesus is also not saying that, you know, you'll be persecuted because you are fanatical or obsessive. And folk, I don't think there's too much of that problem you know, with us in, in nowadays, that we become so fanatical for Jesus and that we'll be persecuted. Because, you know, there are times where we stand up for what is right and, 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 and speak up against what is wrong. But we, we, we don't often find that danger where we'll get into trouble because we're so fanatical for Jesus that we'll be persecuted. I also think Jesus is not saying that we'll be persecuted if we stand for a cause, a good cause perhaps, uh, just this week, and, and I hope not to offend folk. Please, uh, um, let me apologize in advance. But there was a, a young lady who went into a restaurant uh, and outside the restaurant, and, and she was you know, talking about uh, being vegan. Remember that? It was on the news and, and all the rest. And, and she's standing for a good cause. But it's not necessarily righteousness. She's burst, being persecuted uh, for what she might believe is a good cause. 
And that's not what Jesus is saying. And so we need to be careful that, that there are many good causes we can raise our voices about and say the right things, but they might not be for the sake of the kingdom because Jesus is on account of me. Blessed are the persecuted on account of me. In other words, for righteousness sake is what Jesus is talking about there. And so a lot of people will, will um, go out of their way and be persecuted, not for Christ's sake, but to, to actually uh, raise a, a point and bring attention to a certain point that they're trying to make. That's not what Jesus is talking about there. He's not talking about being persecuted for, for doing good or being a good person. No. Because, you know, somebody will, because we can often do good uh, so we can feel good. If I do good uh, and, you know, to get attention for myself, that's not what uh, Jesus is talking about. What he's saying here is that you will face harassment and mistreatment because of righteousness. And that word righteousness has got to do with, with a, you know, a place that is approved of Jesus Christ, a place of integrity, a purity of life. If, if that is your intention and that's what you're wanting to do, that's when you will be persecuted, Jesus is saying. And guess what? You are blessed when that begins to take place. On account of me. On account of me. So the reason I'm doing this is because of Jesus. Before, I would do it out of selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Now I'm doing it for Christ's sake because he's changed my life. And the least I can do is serve him out of appreciation for what he has done for me. Before I was a rebel. Now I, I want to do the things of God. And folks, there's a big difference, I think, because sometimes, you know, when, 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 when the old lady's crossing the road, we, we'll go, okay, let's just help her cross the road, rather than knock her over. I think what Jesus is saying, that we need to actually, when we are in Christ, we actually look for opportunities of doing good, rather than wait for them to happen. That we look for these opportunities to do good in, for, for the kingdom, and when you begin to do that, you'll pick up problems. Why are you doing that? Show off. I mean, you're old-fashioned. Those are old rules and regulations. You know, we live in a modern world. That's extremely dangerous. In fact, Jesus warned us about this in, in John 15, verses 18 to 20. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it even hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. In other words, you were in the world, and he took you X out of the world and put you in Christ, in the kingdom of God. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, or the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Why? Because we are now in Christ, we're on the same page. And to be in Christ is to begin to think like the, the things of the kingdom of God. And for many, it seems radical. 
Why do you want to do this good? Why do you want to be a blessing to, so, to somebody? Why do you want to add value to somebody? Well, it's in appreciation. Why would I want to go and help somebody? Why would I want to go and give of myself to somebody else? Because of what Christ has done for me, the least I can do is add value to somebody else's life. Let's rewind about 2,000 years. In the first century, if you were perhaps a, a stonemason and you were asked to go and build a temple of a God that was not Jesus Christ, you would refuse and you would be persecuted. If you were a tailor and you were asked to make a a garment for a pagan priest, and you refused, you would be persecuted. Why? Because you took your faith so serious that you would say, I'm not going to serve another God. I need to be very careful what I say here. Because many, many times, and I'm reading this book called Lifestyle Evangelism by Joe Aldrich, first textbook I ever read, changed my life. That it's not, hey, let me kind of, this is an opportunity, pick up a hitchhiker on the side of the road, preach the gospel to them, and make sure that they repent, uh, you know, tell them to turn or burn now, whilst they'll never get to their next destination, and they do it out of guilt? No. One, one's whole life is, is a testimony, and you want to do good because of what Christ has done for you. And so how do we serve others you know, without getting, you know, sort of from, from a distance. It's difficult. So I begin to get to know my neighbor who is different to me and project Jesus Christ to them. The way we conduct ourselves at home, the way we do certain things, the way I drive my car in my street, I need to be you know, my whole life should be a projection of who Jesus Christ is. And many, many times, it means that we might enter into the, the lion's den, if you like. As somebody said, where angels fear to tread. Sometimes we need to go in there. But it does not mean that we begin to worship their gods. In fact, we need to be very careful that we don't become a stumbling block for somebody else because we say one thing and we do something else. Because, and, and we've heard this before, it was uh, just recently at the Men's Pie Night where John Bond spoke about people are watching us. They're watching us. Not so much what we say, but what we do. They're looking out of their window. <laughs> Look at that guy. What's he doing again? Look at that lady. She's taking another meal to somebody else. She's got a cake. Uh, maybe she'll, she'll bring it to us. No, no, no. She's going to that other family. And so they're watching us. And so be careful that we don't become a stumbling block for a weaker person. And, and Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 14. In fact, Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 18. And so be careful. So we don't enter kind of into their gods. That's why we can't be unequally yoked. Because and, and, and to walk the road with somebody doesn't mean that we're equally yoked. 
or unequally yoked. It, it means to, to worship their God. That's why Paul wrote that we are not to be unequally yoked because we take on their God and they take on our God. And we begin to, to mix it. And so when we refuse to do that, we will be mistreated and harassed and refused. And so there's certain things that we say and do uh, that are not so good when we sell our souls, if you like. And so following Christ makes a big difference. In fact, uh, those days, if you once a year... Uh, you would need to go and pay homage to Caesar. You would go into the temple and you would burn some incense. And when you burnt that incense, you would get a certificate called the Labellus. And that allowed you to go and worship whatever God you liked. But you needed to say, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. And if you did do that, and you said that Caesar is Lord, then you had the liberty of doing whatever you wanted and uh, under the Roman rulers and worship any God that you wanted. And so when you said Caesar is Lord, and you, you could say, people would say, well, you could say it, you know, not really mean it. No, it's not like that. When you said it, you meant it because you were a person of your word. But if we, if we didn't, do that, then it would be really difficult for us to live. There was one uh, man by the name of Polycarp who was the bishop of Smyrna, and he was dragged away by the Roman authorities, and uh, it, it meant he, he needed to make a, a choice, either to follow Jesus or to basically bow the knee to Caesar. And this is what Polycarp said. Eighty and six years have I served Christ, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And where they're, they're, they're about to burn him. And he asked for a final prayer, and this is what his prayer was. O Lord God Almighty, the Father of thy well-beloved and ever-blessed Son, by whom we have received the knowledge of thee, I thank thee that thou hast graciously thought me worthy of this day and of this hour. In other words, what a privilege it is to die for you. Now, folk, you say, well, that's foreign, man. That's never going to happen. And you're probably right. Why do you want to die for Jesus when you can actually live for him? Well, amen. <laughs> it's better to live for him. But are we prepared to be living for him in such a way that uh, we will be able to accept even mistreatment and harassment? I'm not here to make you feel guilty, but at the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus is actually saying, listen, when, when, when all these things that you've heard me teach you are put in place, then you know, you're prepared to actually go the extra mile and live for me. There was major persecution, folk, those days. You know, uh, if, you, if you denied Caesar and you said you were the light, because Jesus said we're the light of the world, you, you often had hot oil poured over you and, and put on stakes and set a light to actually light up 
Caesar's gardens. Yes, you are the light of the world. <laughs> You're on fire for God now. You would often be stoned, and there were two forms of stoning. They would put you in a corner and belt rocks at you, or they would put you, uh, fasten you down and keep you down, and they would roll this big boulder over you that was two stories high, massive boulder, and drop it onto you. So where is your God now? Where is your God now? They would often put skins of freshly killed animals on, on the back of, of, of people and let them loose so these wild dogs would devour them and tear them apart. Imagine if you lived in that day and age. That's true persecution. But perhaps in July 2023, to stand up for what is right and respond in appreciation for what God has done for us, we might face persecution with reference to some moral issues. There's a certainty when you serve Jesus that there will be persecution. And then finally, and in closing, what is the answer to this mistreatment? What is the answer to, to this harassment? How should we respond? Well, Jesus says, you know what? Uh, we should rejoice and be glad. Jesus, are you serious? What, what kind of a statement is that? And Jesus is not implying that, that persecution itself will make us rejoice and be glad and will make us happy. No, he's saying, well, when we get mistreated, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it hurts, know that because of who you're serving, you will be able to rejoice because there's a great reward that comes from that, a great reward. And, and folk, what, the, the word great there is the word large, many, much. And the word re, uh, reward uh, is, is your payment. It's like your, your, your salary. That is what will come because that's what you've sown. That's what you'll reap. Those are your wages. And I don't put my hand up to receive persecution. But as you serve God, persecution will come across your path in different shapes and sizes in different areas. And as you do that, persecution will come. And what Jesus is saying, listen, when you do that, there is a reward. If somebody were to phone me uh, and say to me, congratulations, you've just won 100 bucks. I'll say, hallelujah, thank you. I'll say to my wife, hey, we just got a phone call, won 100 bucks. she say, cool. But then I get another phone call, and the person says, we made a mistake. It was actually a million dollars. A million dollars. I would stop the car and do the Greek dance on the highway. I know it's quite a sorry sight, but you know what I'm saying? I would be so glad. In fact, I'll be in denial. Are you serious? I'll be on this corner. I'll be on this highway. You get the cameras to come in and take this because I will rejoice and be glad for a long time. You've got this right, have you? And that's what Jesus is talking about there. Not that you've won a hundred bucks or a million bucks and somebody has or has not got it wrong or right. No, it's because when persecution comes, because of his sake, there is a great reward in heaven. 
And so this whole idea that Jesus is speaking about is that, that there is a promise that your reward is in heaven. Now, folk, we live in, in a day and age where, where it's easy to sit on the fence. Whatever you feel like believing, you can believe. We often call that philosophy. Two plus two can be four, it can be three, it can be five. Whatever you want it to be, that's what it is. When it comes to moral issues, whatever suits you goes. You can be half committed. You could be a cultural Christian. You could be a lapsed Christian. You could do whatever suits you in the kingdom of God. But if you're going to follow Jesus, what Jesus is saying, you know what, when you follow me with all your heart, last week I spoke about purity of heart. When you follow me with all of who you are, persecution will come your way. In fact, uh, James warned us in James chapter 1, verse 2, uh, where he says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. So in the kingdom of God, you will be mistreated because you will be faced with trials. And that word trial, the Greek word pirazmi, again, it's plural, pyro, fire. You, when the fires are turned on, regarded as a grace, as a favor of God. Why? Because God is in control. Because God is in control. And I need to admit to you, I don't do well under persecution. <laughs> and I hope you don't either. <laughs> but when you think about, and I'm not talking about kind of threats of, you, you know, you'll be killed if you carry on believing in Jesus and things like that. No, I'm talking about simple following Jesus. Jim Elliott, in that next slide, said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me say that slowly. Think about it. Here was a man who, who, who had prepared uh, to go out onto the mission field, and uh, as they dropped him off, he was killed. But he wrote once, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. In other words, kind of life on this earth and your possessions on this earth. No fool who gives what he cannot keep. Because people say that you're a fool when you sacrifice certain things for the kingdom. No, he says you're not a fool when you do that. To give up what you cannot keep so you can gain that which you cannot lose. And that is the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and in my life. Well, the greatest example of this is obviously Jesus Christ who did exactly that. In Philippians chapter uh, 2, verse 8, uh, we read that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross for you and for me. And Paul said it beautifully in Romans 8, 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, sufferings, uh, th that harassment, that misfortune, the evils of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. In other words, that word worthy, axios, uh, uh, kind of that, that whole, it's, if you put it on a scale, 
you know what? The suffering that I'm going through now is not as wonderful as the awesomeness of the glory of God. And the word glory, his very presence of who he is in my life and in your life. So if you're sitting here this morning and you go, oh my goodness, I feel harassed. I feel mistreated. It feels so unfair. I'm saying hang in there, please. Hang in there. Hang in there. Because God knows. And sometimes you might say, but does God know? Well, folk, maybe no one else knows. But God definitely knows. He definitely knows. Let's pray together.